welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls! Hello and welcome back to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. I'm your host, Emily, and I am so grateful to have you here for this incredible episode featuring Taylor White. Taylor is an American figurative artist whose work engages with the fundamental elements of being. She really combines refined techniques of classical training with bright, unexpected color choices and is taking a lot of inspiration from street art and pop culture. Her art is super, super bright and fun, and it definitely makes you feel something. Um, So I encourage you to go check it out. So in today's episode, you are going to learn about moments growing up when Taylor realized just how talented she was as an artist. We chatted about her creative process as an artist, so what that looks like, and we also talked about what to do when you might not be feeling super creative. We talk about how to get comfortable monetizing your creative talents, and we talked about why it's important to take risks in your career and life. So I hope you love this episode as much as I do. I really enjoyed talking to Taylor. She's really dynamic and smart and is absolutely a girl who is running the world. So make sure you go check her out on Instagram and visit her website for more information. Let's get into it. Here's episode 11 featuring Taylor White. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. So we are going to just jump right in. Are you ready? I sure am. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Oh, no. Forgot that question. <laughs> Actually, I know. I'm not kidding. I did forget it. Uh, I am grateful for, my goodness. I don't know. There's so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to wake up every day and decide how I'm going to live you know, and I get to do what I love to do for a living and I make it a comfortable living and I feel very free and very supported. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Those are, those are great ones. See? Yeah. Just one, it's just one thing of many. Let's just, yeah. No, sometimes you can rattle off a whole list of things and other days it's like two things. It just depends. Right. <laughs> What inspires you daily? So what is something that maybe gets your creative juices going or gets you excited to wake up and do the art you're doing? What inspires you? Yeah, that's a funny, that's a funny question because I was trying to think of the artist who said that he doesn't believe in inspiration and I can't remember who it is, but it's basically just like, like the whole waiting around to be inspired is kind of a, just a fallacious thing. Um, so, and I, that I really took that to heart when I, heard that for the first time because it's just like you know my inspiration is my motivation to continue making art and it's like if I wait until I'm inspired then it's chances are I'm gonna sit around and 
twiddle my thumbs a little too long and then it's not going to work out as well, you know? So it's just like, I want to keep doing this and doing the best I can. So at, at a certain point, like I don't always feel inspired. Sometimes I want to just go and play, you know, Nintendo all day. <laughs> um, but sometimes you, I just have to figure out a way to call it forth and that's it. It's just like, okay, this is what you, you know that you can do this. You know that you're good at it. You don't need to wait for a lightning strike to be able to, to come up with something good. Absolutely. And we're going to get into that in the interview because I think it's a really interesting, important topic. And I think what came up for me as you were saying that is that I always feel like waiting for motivation is not the right thing to do either. So it kind of reminded me as you were saying that because for me, action is what actually will give me the inspiration or give me the motivation. So I think it's similar to what you're saying. It's like you have to just start sometimes. And then the inspiration, motivation comes. So I feel it's, like it's action. like that. Yeah, it's like it's for me, and I can I can relate to that in my day to day every day. It's like you know I work from home nine times out of ten, and when I was younger and didn't care as much, I'd be like, oh, I don't have to put on pants today, you know? <laughs> like I can work from my couch and I can do all this. And people like people who work from home now, I'm sure can relate during the pandemic year. They're like, hey, yeah, like this is great. I I'm a dress from the top up, you know. But like, for me, I'm like, oh, I need to put on pants. And like, this is, not, I'm not joking. Like, I actually do need to like, get out of my pajamas. And I need to do it by a certain time. Otherwise, my day is like, is shot because like, I'm in the mindset of just being like, lethargic and sluggish and slow. And it's just like, yeah, you know, whatever comes, I'll get it done when I get it done, you know. But as soon as I was just like, okay, you get, get up, you can take your time, drink your coffee, then you got to brush your teeth. And then you got to put your clothes on. And then like, even I'm like, you gotta, sometimes I'm like, you gotta put makeup on. Not all, not every day, but some days it's just like, okay, like I need to be in the mind frame of being like ready to go. And if I'm not, it changes everything. Absolutely. And I'm the same way. Some days I really do, like I'll do my hair and my makeup just because I'm like, this will get me in the zone. (laughs) This will get me in the mood. I love that. What advice would you give your younger self if you would listen? <laughs> oh, my, my, my poor younger self. Because <laughs> I would not have listened. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I came back, in, if I traveled back in time and met my younger self, like if I met my older self coming back in time to tell me something, I might pay attention to it. But um, I mean, I would, tell my, I would tell myself like, A, not everything is about you. <laughs> and B this one thing that you're catastrophizing and obsessing over in your mind, like is not even going to matter in a matter of months. So just calm down. <laughs> Those are fine. still, I think great pieces of advice for probably yeah. most people listening. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, here's a crisp here. Here's like, I've seen the future. This is how long this is going to, this is how long this could matter to you and could make you suffer. And this is how long you're going to let it make you suffer. Cho- like choose, you know? Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day in my, I mean, I'm 34, so I haven't been here that mm-hmm. long, but in my years here, I have started to learn that most things will not matter within some things actually won't matter within a week that you're yeah. really stressed about. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that that's such a good piece of advice though, <laughs> that I think we yeah. can keep learning and keep taking because <laughs> it's probably not going to matter. Most things really Most things don't matter. No. (laughs) Like at the end of the day, no. What is a mantra that you live your life by? It is what it is. I mean, and that's like, and not even, not in a throw up your hands, be complacent kind of way, but just like there's, you know, there's 
there's what you there's how thing how you would like things to be and then there's how things are and there's not they're not always going to be in concert with one another and like a good place to start is just to recognize what is because you're not gonna be able to do anything else otherwise absolutely and i think for me i've really started to recognize too and getting better at this slowly but not letting things affect you that you cannot change Mm -hmm. i think it kind of reminds me of that it's like this idea that if it's kind of out of your hands there's no point in sitting around stressing about it because that's how that is uh, like the serenity prayer isn't that what it's called for addicts they say like well it's an alcoholics anonymous thing but it's like okay lord grant me the i don't what is it? Grant me the wisdom or, um, Oh yes. You know, the, I mean, like the ability to, the ability to accept the things I I've, I've can't it, change. Basically, like the, to accept the things I cannot change, the, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And I think though that regardless of whether anyone's part of that community, I think that's very solid mm-hmm. advice though, because I spent so much of my time being stressed and anxious and worried about other people, right? Mm-hmm. Other people's actions, other people's reactions. I can't control any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think getting caught up in that is a real downhill spiral. <laughs> right. And I think the, sure. the idea that you are responsible for you and how you respond, and that's the, that's the, that's the one thing you can control, so you might as well get good at controlling it. Um, Absolutely. Think, you know, that's, that's good world advice for just about everybody these days. <laughs> yeah, totally. So. Stay in your lane. <laughs> pretty much who or what has been your biggest teacher so far in your life oh goodness who or what i mean i mean like reality yeah if you just i mean just playing off the the mantra it's like reality always wins no matter how hard you try and fight against or malign the way things are so like the sooner you learn to move through life with grace the better things will start to work out for you and it's just like you know i spent a good long bit of my life just being like screaming at the sky like old man yells at cloud kind of thing and it's like not doesn't change anything so like i don't i don't know exactly what had me learn the lesson like like frying pan over the head kind of way i think it was just a gradual chipping away at just like this isn't working like this like having a bad attitude about the way things are isn't working so like i start looking for ways of being that would cause things to work better and the lesson was always always came back to like and it's like the the uh, all su- all, all suffering stems from his resistance to what is it's like a buddhist yes. <laughs> i that's think cool. that's very true for me i'm misquoted i'm sure it's come I, i'm sure it's um, uh misattributing it but that's the general principle yes i do think that that holds true for me in my experience mm-hmm. that's for sure <laughs> So Taylor, I'd love yeah. to chat a bit about your background. So anyone who doesn't know you yet and can get a little familiarized with, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about how you grew up, what your early life was like. Oh goodness! Uh, so I am from. I grew up in Cary, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina. Which you know, when I was growing up, wasn't much, but um, now, of course, it's like. I think it was recently ranked number two on greatest places to live in the country. And for good reason, it's awesome here. Um, but so I grew up in a, you know, two parent household with two other siblings by my, including myself or no myself and two other siblings. Yeah. I'm the oldest. And I was, you know, it was a nice idyllic comforting, comfortable life 
growing up for the most part. And I had, you know, an interest in art as long as I can remember from toddlerhood onward. And, um, you know, had the support of my parents and everything in, in terms of pursuing and honing that interest. So it was, it's another thing to be grateful for, I should say. Yeah, what else? I mean, early life was like that. Went on to, um, I'm going to lose my train of thought. It's a large. You're just like, hey, tell me about your whole life. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to like abridge certain things in my head. Like you don't really need to know all the details. <laughs> You're like, but I'm going to edit this and this. What kind of, I so I, as someone who's never been there, what mm-hmm. is kind of the vibe and what did, what activities did you do? Like, what did you do in the summer with your family? And my family, okay, a lot of beach vacations. Mm, that's kind of the thing. Like, you know, North Carolina is great, especially the, you know, I'm in the middle of the state and it's really not hard to get to the beach from, you know, where we are. So we did a lot of that, a lot of beach vacations. Mm, so fun. So yeah. you talked a bit about how as even as a toddler, so probably some of your earliest memories, you knew you were interested mm-hmm. and had an affinity for creating art. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you, you know, went from obviously that interest and probably your parents and teachers around you helping develop that mm-hmm. to where you are now as an artist? So did you go to school? How did you kind of work on your craft? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I, I say... I've said multiple times being an artist has always seemed like a foregone conclusion. It's just like the thing that was in the background of my life or not even in the background, it was in the foreground most of the time, but also like it just was a, a way of being. So like I drew all the time when I was a little kid, I had, you know, I have memories of just being like, you know, I, I was always, I noticed early on that like a lot of people were pointing at me and being like, what, you know, um, like what's going on there. So I, I knew at a certain, I knew very early on that there was like something different, like I could do it. And I could do something that other people couldn't really do as, mm-hmm. as well, you know, but I didn't really quite, I was just like, well, I mean, you know, I have a story of being in the kindergarten and the story is kind of told partially through my own memory and partially through the th- a third person account. But basically it goes like this. It's like, I'm, you know, we're sitting, we're all sitting at our desks having, doing whatever activity we're doing and I'm drawing, I'm busy like doodling this monkey, the chimpanzee. It was a monkey. It had a tail. It's a monkey. Anyway, so drawing this monkey and the little girl sitting next to me starts like wailing. She's like, like she starts having like a a little, a little breakdown teacher comes over and is like, Hey, you know, like what's going on. And and the girl's like, I can't draw that. Like I can't draw a monkey like that. And I like, I'm just like, well, it's right up there on the wall, you know, on that point. And there's like, there's like a sign of of something that has this monkey on and I'm just copying the monkey from the sign. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. And if you need help, it's right there. (laughs) Come on girl. (laughs) It's like that. So, I mean, after a while, it sort of became something of a, obviously like a point of pride, I guess, you know, I mean, like I knew no matter what else was going on, like I knew that this was a thing that I was good at and I could always like refer back to it in terms of like, if I needed to like, uh, like every school year, I'd be like, oh, these people don't know me yet. And I could just like whip out the, I can draw card at the most convenient time where people are just like, oh man, who are you? So I played that card like all the time, you know, <laughs> but so, you know, support, like the encouragement and support of my peers was a big factor in terms of c- cementing that in ser- and like how my, you know, how I identified for lack of a better yeah. word um, and wanted to move forward with it in my life. You know, it was just like, oh, I guess I'm an artist then, you know? Right. So did, you know, whatever 
my parents did whatever they could to like bolster that. They, you know, they gave me art supplies and put me in classes like, a, you know, extracurricular and advanced throughout my whole childhood. I went into advanced placement, like the national standard advanced placement art when I was a sophomore in high school. So they gave me an extra year, which like my sophomore year, AP didn't count for like any credit. They were just like, you don't need to be in freshman art class. So like this may not be the place for you. <laughs> yeah. Just like you're gonna be, you know, bored. So well, yeah, bored. So it was, yeah, I mean, and you know, I like, I used to draw all over the, uh, I'm going to shout out Miss Henserling, my sixth grade science teacher. If you're listening, <laughs> I know she follows me on Facebook. So, um, she used, I used to draw on all over my notes in class and, you know, obviously I wasn't paying attention, but she was like, you're, you're fine. You know, just don't, just don't forget me. I'm like, this is me fulfilling on that. <laughs> Shout like, out. Don't forget. I let you draw on your own work. Like whatever. <laughs> anyway. So, so yeah, like that was the life that I lived growing up. And then I obviously kind of towards the end of high school started to get the inkling that I was going to have to be responsible for that as a career path. If I, you know, wanted to earn a living someday. So that was a little bit of an adjustment. I was like, really, I remember being really offended that like my identity, like the thing that I had carried with me my entire life was now going to be used for, you know, the earning of a living. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, it was, it was, it was subject to other people's opinions. And I didn't like that, you know, right. Evaluation and grades and stuff like that. And I was just like, screw the man kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I'll do what I want with my own art. I do what I want. Yeah. Like that didn't work out for very long. <laughs> so I think, I think something that's really interesting and I do want to ask at this point because it's just kind of come up now when you think of being an artist I feel like there's still this idea and this vision of like the struggling artist and I think there's almost this idea in the community that it's wrong sometimes to be making a lot of money from it I don't know if you experienced Mm -hmm. that or that felt something weird for you as you were starting to make money Um, But I've just noticed that comes up where I think there was this idea for so long that you could only be a struggling artist and you couldn't make a good living off of it. Yeah, well, it's twofold. I mean, first of all, it's a cliche that it's real, but it's a cliche for a reason because it's it's real, like that most artists don't earn a living. Like most artists don't learn, earn a great living. Um, And so like people think of artists, like the starving artist archetype or whatever. Um, And then there's also the, the, faction of the you know the mode of thinking that it's like it's it's you're a sellout if you make a living as an artist i think that's nonsense i mean i think i think even the people who think that know it's nonsense they're just if they could make a living they would you know yeah Um, i think i think that's it and it's interesting because in a different way from you but i have experienced this where when something is a very innate talent Mm -hmm. So for me, it's much different than yours. Yours is like incredible art. Mm -hmm. Mine is communicating. And that is something that I don't even think about doing. I just do. Mm -hmm. And so it does sometimes even for me feel hard, felt hard in my early career to get a lot of money for that because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just do that. Like, what do you mean? That's a talent. Like I just do it. Right. I mean, that's a, it it is, it is a little bit of a problem um, in terms of how artists see themselves and how other people see artists and like it is like a lot of time and I ran into this early on in my career where people just think they're doing you a favor by offering you the opportunity to like paint their wall or do whatever you know show work in their thing or it's like here's a or like the, the dreaded contest 
Like here's a con, like we want this art that we're going to use to, we're going to plaster all over everything and use for promotion and everything, but we're going to hold a contest and, and you can compete to get the space. And then, you know, your prize, your, your reward for all your hard work will be being selected. Like right. that's for children. Come on. Yeah. No, thanks. Like, no. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, advice to artists, don't do that. Um, but it is like, you know, I think, I think it, it maybe it comes down to a mindset thing for, for everybody. You know, I think it's, it has to start with the artists thinking differently about the work that they're, they're making in order for the consumer to start changing their approach to it. Because it's like, I'm selling a, a product. I'm not just selling, you know, I, I'm not just, you're not, you're not just giving me the, the privilege of doing what I love. Like I could do that anyway, but like, I can't, like, this is the job that I'm doing. And the reason I'm doing such good work is because it's the job that I'm doing, you know? So what you're buying is, is the end result of all of that hard work that I've done for like my entire life. So yeah, just thinking of it as, as a, as a commodity, which it is, yeah. you know? Um, and not just like, this is my, like, I don't have, I left my emotions and feelings on the side of the road a long time ago about the work, you know, it's like, I don't care what you, th- you know, like, I don't, I don't get all uppity about the artwork. It's just like, I know what, I know what I'm selling, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't- you feel, it sounds like you feel you're at a place where you feel really confident and like secure and you know that your art is really good and therefore you're not as concerned. <laughs> if people- well, I just, I just know what it is. I know that it's, and it, I know what it is. And I know what it's not. And I know what, like, I know that it doesn't mean any, like, this is going to sound weird. It doesn't mean anything, you know, like as a young artist, you're like, every project is like, means the world to you, you know? And it's like, this is the one project that's going to make or break my thing. And it's like, well, you there, like, that's just, if you think of every project is going to make or break your life, then you're going to get taken advantage of. And spoiler, it's not the thing that's going to make or break your life, you know? So like, the sooner you kind of get your, get your feelings out of the way and just focus on making the work good, like you'll just, you'll just have a better time. So there, you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna, you know, if I went six months without getting a job, like it wouldn't change me, you know, at all. Like it might make me a little nervous because it's just like, okay, I need some money, but like, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like you, you really do determine the meaning of everything. And Mm -hmm. I think having that detachment and just not, not making it mean, you're not making it mean if you don't get a job in six months, you're not making it mean you're a terrible artist. Like that's not what it means. We get get caught up in meaning making. It's like, that's all we ever do, you know? I know. uh, Yeah. Little meaning making machines. I (laughs) I know where you've been. (laughs) um so uh so yeah it's like it's like that it's just like yeah it doesn't it it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean it doesn't have value Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't mean what you think it means Mm -hmm. so calm down so just ease off something else I was really curious to talk to you about and you kind of touched on it in the beginning actually which is great but as someone who is very creative obviously and Mm -hmm. your work is also hinging on you being creative. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what that process looks like for you? Like, how do you get ideas? Where do they come from? And then also, what do you do when you're not feeling very creative? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> Sit on the couch and... You're like, I don't know. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I mean, create. so 
fortunately and unfortunately, you know, it's mostly fortunately. It's like I have a framework of work that I've already created and work that customers have come to expect from me. So like that gives me a little bit of a parameter when it comes to like creating a new work. Cause I'm like, cause you know, it's like, you have to do this thing and you can do anything in the world that you want. I'm like, that's crippling because it's just like, what, where do I start? But now I'm just like, okay, well the work, the body of work that I have to build on is the one that I've already made is the, is the body of work that I've already made. So like I've been doing this visual style. So I'm going to stick in that, stick with that visual style. And then I will, if I want to depart from that, I'll do that slowly over time, not like a full 180. So like lately I've been, I mean, I've been starting with the human form and thinking about revolving, like telling a story and from that, like from a particular shape of, of a human form, you know? So that's just a place to start. And then beyond that, I'm like, I'm really interested in just pattern and texture and, and building up images and layering things and taking them away and making some like making like most of my process these days is just go into Photoshop or and, and start throwing images together, you know, like images that I've saved or screen capped or, or whatever. Like I have like a whole library of stuff and, or I'll just troll the internet and find other things. And it's, I always like, you know, I mean, I always change it enough to like make it unrecognizable, you know? So it's like, yeah, collect images off the internet and repurpose them. So like anything that has like a color combination or a pattern or a texture or whatever I like, I'll just save it because I'm like, I can pull from that later, draw from it. So that's it. It's really just like intuit. It's like, okay, I have basically this thing and then I'm going to litter the composition with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surround it with all like this shape and pattern and stuff. And I probably have like a, an emotional direction that I'm going in. But a lot of times I'm just like, this looks cool. I'll just keep that. Like that doesn't look good. Get rid of that, you know, throw something. It's like, this doesn't work. I don't know why. So I'm just going to keep like throwing things at it until something like works, you know? So it's a very, like, it's a little hard to do. I mean, sometimes it's challenging to do traditional, co- like, co- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Traditional commissions. Mm. Because it's like, I have, I came from an illustration background. So I'm like, okay, you do the, you do the, you come up with the idea and you do the thumbnails and then you do they're fine sketches and then you do the color comps and then you start to right. put, I'm like, That's I gotta not, jump yeah. in because it's like, if I do like the idea materializes through the process of sculpting the image, yep. you know? Totally. Um, I can totally see how that makes sense and how you kind of need to look at holistically. And then mm-hmm. your innate talent sometimes is just like, okay, that looks weird there. Let me try X, Y, Z, like keep going until you find mm-hmm. the right piece for the whole picture which yeah is really exactly cool. so when you're not feeling creative but you have to keep on working <laughs> what do you do I do tell you like you know I sat there and at the very beginning I was like I just have to do it anyway it's like I, I don't like I I procrastinate a lot <laughs> I'll just be honest here but like it is it's like that I procrastinate until I can't justify it anymore and then I sit down and force myself to put something in, like just throw some things together and I'm like okay you got to do this like sometimes it's frustrating but you know it's like it's like putting your pants on it's just like as soon as you start throwing something at it like it'll it'll come so I just have to like like there's really no no magic trick I just kind of like okay Taylor you just do it now like you said deadlines, Taylor. deadlines tomorrow you need to come do on it. Taylor yeah. Yeah. I have to say I'm definitely the same way when it comes yeah. to projects I'm like I need a little fire mm-hmm. you know if I have like three months to do something, it's like not getting done until like yeah. two weeks before. Right. I mean, it, I do like the, the pressure, like I do work well under pressure and it does kind of help to, it helps to schedule things not so far in advance that I 
feel like I have all the time in the world. But, <laughs> no. Then the procrastination know. really kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> Today, like I'm, I've got a work to do, but I'm cleaning my closet instead. So yeah, but that sometimes... helps. It's part of it. It's part of the whole process. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need a clean workspace. Like this morning before I got on this interview, I like cleaned off my desk and I just, it helps my brain. So I yeah. get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Last thing I'd love to talk to you about is your current exhibit, The Pursuit of Happiness. So I'd love to hear how that all came about. And for for someone like me who is not an artist, I would love to hear kind of that process. So how does that happen? Like, did they contact you, the gallery? Do you contact them? Like, how does this all come about? Yeah, this this one is a pretty special circumstance because it's not a gallery; it's a space that I rented, and I so I I rented an empty storefront for the purpose of doing a pop up show in Raleigh. Oh, so and, cool! You know, I, I it's something that I had had in mind to do for a couple of years, and you know, as we were just saying, you know, sometimes you just need to light a match on it, you know, for it to actually start to happen. So, like I. I think the first thing that I did was I mentioned it to someone that I was thinking about someday doing that. And he like just got really excited and started throwing out all these like suggestions for like, th- you know, I don't know. It was just like that, that like kernel of like accountability, throwing that out into the world, like de- making the declaration that that's something you're going to do. And so like that got a, a little bit of a conversation going around, around one aspect of the show. And then because I already felt like, accountable to that declaration that I had made. I was like, well, I guess now's a good time to start asking around about spaces just to get a feel for like, if I could, if I, I could even afford to do it, you know? So I made a, a casual, I, I DM'd some, a friend of mine who's in commercial real estate. I was like, Hey, do you happen to know like what the going rate is for like per square foot downtown right now? And like, rather than answer directly, he could put me in touch with the downtown Raleigh Alliance who had just a laundry list of empty storefronts that they were trying to fill with these pop-up retail spaces as a, you know, cause obviously, you know, we all know last summer it, everything just went to hell. And so a lot of businesses got pushed out and they're, they're really trying to revitalize and everything. So I, I found that that bit of sort of social aspect of it actually got me excited. It was like, okay, well I'm actually like, this would be a good, this would be a good time then, you know? Absolutely. Because there was like a, you know, a cert, a little bit of a concern about like, this was on the cusp of like when mandates were being lifted and I didn't know if people are going to be weird or like, you know, squeamish about coming out or whatever. So anyway, I was just like, this, this could be a terrible time or this could be the perfect time. I don't know yet, but like, we're just going to see. <laughs> we're going to roll the dice here. Um, yeah, exactly. So once I got that conversation going, it was just like, well, it seems like, you know, uh, the forces of the universe are helping me along here a little bit. So I should pay attention. So I uh, interviewed around, looked for this, like I, they, they, they gave me a couple of options for spaces and this one that I'm in right now came up and I was like, Oh, I know the store that used to be here. Like this is actually a perfect location. My homies are next door at Raleigh raw. So like I could, you know, I can eat there every day. That'd be great. You know? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, obviously it's so the circumstances around the show kind of informed the show itself. Cause it, originally I was just like, well, maybe I'll just rent for like a month. That sounds about right. But like, you know, I don't really want to be responsible for anything that goes up longer than a month. Cause that's just added expense and added like whatever, like maybe I can't, you know, maybe I can't get the it's an added you know, risk, right? It's, not, like, it's a, exactly. It's an ab- yeah, the longer, longer I'm open, the more I'm the more I'm putting myself at risk. Exactly. exactly. So 
So the, they wanted a three month commitment, the, the landlord, the commercial landlord for the space. And so it was a little bit, I was like, oh God, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Do I? Do um, yeah. I don't know if I want to do this. And then I walked into the space and I was like, okay, well, this, this space is perfect. Like I didn't need to spend a dime on upfitting the space. No, it looks beautiful. Gallery. It was like that when I walked mm-hmm. in because it used to be a clothing retail. So they had this, and it was like a, like an artsy kind of clothing retail. So they had this track lighting and everything and like, yeah, everything I, was there. So I didn't have to install anything. I didn't have to hang any drywall. I didn't have to paint. Like I was just like, okay. So for, for a three month rent, which they're actually, which was reduced from the fair market value, I can have a space that's perfectly upfitted for my needs. That's like not going to happen again, you know, not right now. So like I, you know, the other, the other piece to the puzzle is just like, okay, well, I have to rent this. And then I now like the storefront's empty now. So it's not like I can rent, like, I can't put the show open tomorrow. Like I'm going to need some time to finish the work, which at that point, like it wasn't, you know? (laughs) So I had to like, I was like, okay, can you, you know, when can I reasonably get away with leasing the space? You know, can I do it? Like, Anyway, so it, I came to it came to June, and of course, so that's like I don't know. That was like three months at best, maybe even less than three months before I was like, okay, well, I've got to open a show now. <laughs> Here I am. So I better uh, I better go paint, you know, <laughs> better go paint some things. So you know, I had like you know, I had all the designs and everything. I had like the imagery mostly mostly worked out. It's just putting it on canvas. So it's like I won't say like I completely put through pulled this, the show out of my rear end like in two months. <laughs> it's just like I it was. That's what that's what I need because you know, all these paintings are sitting here like half finished for a year, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna show them. I could have just been like, I'll show them someday, and then not finish them. I was like, okay, I'm gonna show them in two months. I better finish it now, you know. Totally, and I do think there is this certain level of investment sometimes you need to make, and so mm-hmm. for you, that was like renting a space for three months. And I think mm-hmm. anyone listening who has any sort of business, or even if you're wanting to start one, you need sometimes a reasonable amount of risk and investment to light that fire under your butt mm-hmm. and get you going. Yeah. I think you and I had to be prepared sometimes. to lose it all. I mean, like I knew I had a good idea that I wasn't going to lose my entire shirt, but like it was, a, it was an investment, but it was money I had. And so I was like, I could either let it sit and, and you know, just so that I can feel comfortable having money or I can invest it towards this goal that has, you know, paid off in dividends, right? You know, I, I made back, I broke even on the night or I cleared break even on the night. So I, I profited no. a little. Yeah. No way. So, yeah. I mean, I would have made a, I would have, you know, made bank if I was, was able to only open for a month because July has just been terrible, but, um, Still though. Really, but, but like, who cares? Like I, I cleared my expenses on the night through sales. And now it's just like, okay, I've, I, I've got to sell the rest of it, but like, I don't have to like, I don't have to be nervous about selling it. So that's incredible. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Um, but how wild that you almost didn't invest in that. And then you right, I put it like, on the oh, first no, night. That's, that's a little expensive. I don't know. Like I'd rather just have money in my bank account doing nothing, you know, save it for a rainy day. Nope. Like, you know, so the glad bottom, you the bottom could fall out of the market tomorrow and all of our money could be valueless. So I might as well spend it while I can get something from it. Absolutely. And I think the experience too, it's really cool for you and your, you know, your brand in a way to, to try this and see mm-hmm. if maybe this is something you can do in another city or yeah. who knows, right? It's really cool to try something new, I think. Well, now that I know I can do it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do it again, but like now that I know I can, <laughs> it's an option. It's like, it's like, the, it's like that the possibility is there, 
the obstacles out of the way. So, mm-hmm. so now next time you're going to have to go a little bigger. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> rent out Disney World. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> Before we get to the rapid fire round, I wanted to acknowledge you for the incredible, beautiful art you're putting out into this world and the way that you are storytelling through your art. It's really, really beautiful. Um, I really, really love it. It's very bright, which is definitely my style. So it's incredible. Thanks. I appreciate that. You are welcome. Okay. A book or movie that's changed your life. They changed my life. I mean, I think um, the books, I mean, I would credit the books that have changed my life with are like the, the ones that have like changed the way I relate to health. So like mm. brain maker is a good one uh, that, that that's, Gosh, I can't remember the author, but um, it's basically about the about the, the the microbiome, which is something that's like coming into more prominence now in the medical community. Which is like the the comp, the relationship between the flora and your gut and like how your brain functions. And of course, you know, I was just like, oh my god, my mind is blown. I know, Isn't literally, it cool? is like my mind is actually blown because now I'm eating different. Like, and my brain is working better, but it's like my, mm-hmm. I've had like cognitive function issues my entire life and also coincidentally like gut health issues so like it's like well, well shit i mean i could just eat a few more like pro like you know i'll eat more sauerkraut and i can actually like be a little more sharp in the, in the mind like it's not that simple but just like that it's like i have a relationship with my food that's different than i used to, you know than most people but then i grew up and that most people mm-hmm. probably still have and it's like oh if i I don't know. It's, it's just those kinds of books like Brain Maker, Regenerate, a bunch of other things that have to do with kind of healing through food just completely changed how I relate to food and how I relate to my body. And now I'm like, okay, I'm like listening to my body in a different way. And I'm like, you know, oh, I better eat some of this. Like I'm something's going on. I better eat this and then that's going to change it. And it helps, you know, um, or mm-hmm. not eat that thing. It's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be eating eggs right now for some reason. My body doesn't want them. You know, it sounds like, I don't know. Well, I know when I used to, when I first started learning about this, even a few years ago, I was like a weird hippie. No guys, like this is, but that was three years ago, probably maybe longer that I started kind of researching and learning a bit. And like you said, it's just now, I think coming more into kind of the average population consciousness, but it wasn't even a few years ago. It's definitely mainstreaming, which I'm super thankful for because, you know, of course, you know, this day and age, we're just living in a world where just like we, you go straight to the medical world, the pharmaceutical world to to address all of your problems, which in turn are being caused by the pharmaceutical world. And in part, you know, not fully, but in part and through, you know, the, the chemicals that are in the food that are considered safe like Mm -hmm. come on like the glyphosate and the phthalates and all this stuff it's like in the food that you're consuming every day and you're like you know i wonder why we're having so much cancer and endocrine problems and you know all of this stuff so totally and i'm sure it was similar so i grew up in canada you grew up in the states but i'm sure it was similar to growing up antibiotics were handed out like candy candy. Mm -hmm. um you'd have like a sniffle and they're like here's the antibiotics and i again that's something i've learned Mm -hmm. it's not to say i'll never take them because i think there's a real place for these things there's a place for them there's a real place for it 
But for something that's most likely a virus, it's, that's not the place for it. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> antibiotics won't do anything for a virus because antibiotics is for bacteria. And people are just I like, know. Well, you know, whatever. But like but they used to prescribe but, it when it was yeah, like, well, just like oh, could have this, been a virus. Take an, like, like you, you have, you, you're feeling sick, take an antibiotic. And like uh, that kills your gut health, the gut bacteria, which then like throws your entire system out of balance. It's, it's, it's remarkable. I recommend, I recommend that kind of thing for anyone who's having any kind of curiosity about that. Totally. And I'm going to look that book up. That sounds like a great book. <laughs> yeah. Favorite place you traveled? I have a soft spot for Australia. Probably always will. Um, it's just a really amazing place. Beautiful, intense in all of its loveliest ways. I don't know. Um, Thailand is also pretty gorgeous. So I'd probably say either of those two. Awesome. What are you most excited for this year? Well, I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm excited for this year. I mean, I'm excited for, actually, you know what? I'm excited to like, I haven't been on an airplane since the beginning of COVID and I don't have any plans to get on an airplane. And I'm kind of like stoked about that. I'm like, I want to do some travel. I want to travel by car and I want to like do some camping, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, so I'd like to, I'd like to carve out some time to do that. Although I always end up, I always end up with some project that I'm doing. So no, um, you're gonna carve I'm excited for the I'm excited for the possibility of carving out some time to take my Jeep on the road and go to some cool places. Take not, your Jeep. Not by plane. You're doing it. It's funny exactly. funny story. My two and a half year old son is obsessed with Jeeps. It's so funny. Oh. He can point them out on the road. He's like, Jeep, Jeep. He loves it. <laughs> my uh my is he too? Yeah, just barely two year old nephew was down at the beach visiting us. Uh, we had a reunion over the 4th of July and I was carrying him. I, I don't know. I, guess he, I don't know why I was carrying him. I think he just probably requested it, but I was carrying him around the front of the house and we were on the corner and he goes, that's a Jeep. I'm like, indeed it is. <laughs> I know. It's like, so that's, interesting. That's my Jeep. And he goes like, yeah, that's my Jeep. He, he gets his, his my and your, like I and you backwards. He's like, he, he goes, pick you up. I'm like, which means pick me up. It's cute. It's, cute it's as so cute. But isn't it wild the brand recognition at two? Oh, yeah. I had, like a, they know I had a friend in high school. I had a friend in high school who's like four or so year old, like half brother, knew every car by make and model. And it was just like, I'm like, you know. That's wild. Okay, last question here. Who is a woman who inspires you or that you've looked at and been like, wow, look so at them many, go? There's, there's so many. There's so many women out there killing it. Um, although I will, you know what? I'm going to shout out my mom because we, my mom, my mom and I drive each other nuts, but uh, my mom is awesome. And she just like took on a modeling career and she's like, what, I don't know, six, 60 in her sixties. And she's just like, she's retired. And then she's like, got poached by this, like, you know, o- over 65 modeling. So she's, she's getting like mattress commercial courses and stuff. And I'm like, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool to just be able to be like, yeah, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm 65. Who cares? I think, you know, that's one of the most inspiring things that I have witnessed too, is women who, yeah, reinvent themselves when they're 60. Like, why Mm -hmm. not? And I always remember my mom learning to do photography when she was like Mm -hmm. in her 60s, just because she had an interest in it and was like, I'm going to learn. Yes. Okay. You know what? I'm, I'm done i'm done doing this thing in my life i'm going to do this other thing and like she looks awesome so like i think she's putting it to good use <laughs> go mom that's amazing 
But I'm like, okay, I've got to look like that too. <laughs> well, this is a good thing, right? You know yeah. that that's coming for you. <laughs> I've got the genes. Yeah. That's maybe, maybe that's what I'm most excited for not this year, <laughs> but in life, just being like, I could model at 65. I got this. When I'm done if with I, art, I can just If model. I eat right and keep, take care of my skin. Good to go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. This has been incredible. And I want to make sure everyone goes and follows you. So where is the best place to find you on the World Wide Web? Yeah, on the Instagram. I still use it. Uh, my handle is Taylurk. It's T-A-Y-L-U-R-K. Um, and then my website is taylorwhite.art. Um, and just to clarify, I spell my name T-A-Y-L-O-R. So... <laughs> And I'll link it up for everyone. Thank you so much, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time and enjoyed talking about different questions than the usual. <laughs> awesome. The usual <laughs> thank <ones>. you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at OurGorongosa.